Welcome to Innovations in Leadership, a Success League radio production. This is a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are designing and implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by the Success League, a consulting and training firm focused on developing customer success programs that drive revenue. My name is Kristen Heyer, and I'm the host of Innovations in Leadership and the founder and CEO of the Success League. And today I'd like to welcome Amber Monroe to the podcast. Amber is the head of enterprise strategy for Paradigm Senior Services and also works with a number of organizations in the customer success space, including Success in Black and CS Insider. And we're going to be talking about how her team is tackling customer success within a franchise organization and how their team leveraged customer surveys and interviews to drive significant improvements in their program. So, Amber, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kristen. I'm so excited to be here and thanks so much for that great introduction. So I always like asking how you how people landed in this field of customer success. So tell us about your career path so far. Yeah, absolutely. I would say I didn't start in customer success or didn't finish my education and say, oh, I want to go into customer success. I kind of just landed there. I first started off thinking that I wanted to be a mental health counselor and quickly found out that that probably wasn't the career for me. And I started working for hospitals that did all sorts of different roles inside hospital organizations. And then I really worked closely with a lot of our technology vendors. And I found that they were very innovative and they had all sorts of new ideas and tips and tricks for improving efficiencies and workflows in the hospital that I really started to drive a level of interest in actually working on that side of the business. So I moved into an account management role with a tech vendor. At the time, it was called account management. And so I worked with a bunch of hospitals in the Midwest region, did a lot of traveling, worked with a lot of teams uh, to make sure solutions were working well for them. And then I kind of really got into leadership. I got into customer success leadership, and I really owned and managed everything, I would say, post-sales onboarding, implementation, customer support, customer success. And I've kind of taken that with me and I I probably will never leave customer success. I love the industry so much that I'll probably stay here forever. I love it. And I love that you were able to combine the healthcare experience that you've had in the past with what you're doing today in customer success. I think that domain expertise is really valuable. Yeah, you know, that really helped me in my career too. I've been able to find like a niche of having the healthcare industry domain expertise because I've been in the healthcare industry for over 15 years. And really, there's so many health tech vendors out there. There's so many wonderful advancements in technology that's happening right now, different software that physicians need, that hospitals need, that providers need that there's just such an opportunity in this space that it's really great to kind of combine that love of the healthcare industry plus my love of customer success and blend the two together in a health tech company. So Yeah, I think that's great. Well, and that leads me to my next question, which is, can you tell us a little bit about the mission of Paradigm and, and then also a little bit about how your CS team is structured there? Yeah, absolutely. So really, our mission at Paradigm is pretty simple. We offer a lot of comprehensive back office support to our home care providers. And think about home care providers in the U.S. as senior care living services, so senior care personal care services. 
we focus on the back office and provide that support so they can focus on providing good quality client care. And so we do tons of education. We do lobbying through DC. We do a lot of advocacy. I always say we're not really just a back office solution. We do so much more for the industry as a whole. And we teach home care owners how to diversify their payer mix. Traditionally in the United States, you know, our home care industry and senior care is private pay. So they're typically paying out of pocket and private pay dollars are shrinking. Inflation is up. You've seen the economic climate we're in right now. So we teach home care providers how to diversify through different avenues for revenue. So we look at things like the Veterans Administration and Medicaid and Medicare Advantage. So government type programs. And I'm really lucky to be a part of this organization that's doing such good work for our seniors too. And then I think you had a second question too about how our CS team is structured. They did, yeah. Yeah, so our CS team has gone through a couple of iterations. We first started off with just a couple of, I would say five or six individuals that kind of managed a few accounts. And we really looked at it from an account management standpoint. So it was more, I would consider customer service related. So as a client had an inquiry, we would make sure we were responsive and timely. But I would say there wasn't anything that was built in place for any sort of proactive communication. We're not talking success plans. We weren't really diving into that. And I'd say we've gone through a couple of iterations of the model just based on our growth that we've experienced recently. We had a phase of, I would say, extreme growth. We doubled in size in a 12-month period. Wow. it, It caused us to really sit down and have to reevaluate how we had our structure And we really focused on different types of segmentation for our clients. And then we built a customer success team. And right now we have, you know, about 2,500 home care providers that we service. And we have about 13 customer success managers. And right now, I would say we're still in a phase of iterating in which we have a high volume of accounts assigned to each customer success manager. So there's definite opportunities for you know, digital approaches to automation. There's definitely different things that we can do to improve, but that's kind of how we're structured today. Oh, that's great. It's good to have that context as we go into our conversation that we're going to have today, which is about how you took some of the information that you got from surveys and customer interviews and really leveraged those to create some of the improvements that you've made in your program. So let me ask you, just as we dive into that topic, what made you decide to survey your enterprise segment in the first place? And what were some of the challenges that you were running into that drove that? Yeah, that's a good question. So really, we wanted to understand our current state of overall customer satisfaction. We hadn't done a lot of surveys before, You know, we weren't doing any sort of customer effort score surveys, no CSAT surveys. And we just, we heard things from providers every now and again. And we call our clients providers because they're providing services to clients. So if we said clients, it might be a little confusing. Yeah. (laughs) So, So essentially, you know, we heard some things. Our customer success team was a big driving factor for this. You know, they mentioned feedback from they were hearing from providers, which made us made the decision that we probably needed to have a better overall picture of the satisfaction of our providers. And so that's kind of the driving factor behind why we decided to survey our enterprise segment. And we essentially surveyed all of our providers, 
even we did some surveys outside of our enterprise segment as well. We just wanted to get very specific on how our segments of our business were feeling about their experience with Paradigm. Got it. Okay. And how did you approach the survey? Like, what were some of the questions that you included? Yeah, that was kind of the fun part. We went through a couple of iterations of questions too. We kind of brainstormed like what are like the key most important things we needed to ask. We didn't want the survey to be very long. We knew that if it was too long that we would have difficulty and completion rates. So we wanted to keep it around five to six questions. And a couple of questions we asked were, Things like how satisfied are you with the overall experience with Paradigm Senior Services? How are you satisfied with improvements in revenue growth and generation? So one of the key things that we do here is we help home care providers grow in revenue. And so we want to make sure that they're hitting those success metrics and that they're happy with their revenue growth since they started working with our services. And then we asked a couple of questions around how satisfied are you with your assigned customer success manager who handles your billing and back office support? We wanted to make sure people knew who their assigned customer success manager was too. So we asked that question. Do you actually know who your point of contact is? And also it was another question around how satisfied are you with the level of transparency and communication with Paradigm? We wanted to make sure that we were advocating and we were communicating clearly to our providers. And that was one of the questions we added to the survey. Those were about the bulk of the questions. Got it. Got it. I think that's so helpful. Thank you for sharing that because I get a lot of questions from people like, what questions should we put on our survey? And I think it, the questions really do matter, you know, and you have to give them a lot of thought. And I don't think that each organization can cookie cutter what somebody else has done. They're pretty specific. I completely agree with you. You know, I think we have this adage in CS that it depends. And it does. It, it does, really though. It <laughs> depends. Absolutely. And we're doing this just like anybody else would do this. You know, we throw some ideas together as a team and we make sure that those are the questions we want to ask. And if we didn't get great response rates, you know, the next time we do a survey, we're going to learn from that experience and just make adjustments along the way. Yeah. And I think that's okay. You know, done is better than perfect. I completely agree. Yeah. And we knew it was something that we needed to get out there because we wanted to get a good temperature check. We wanted to really see where we were at. And if we spent too much time being perfect, we wouldn't have gotten the results as quickly as we got. Yeah, that's great. I know you also conducted some personal interviews with some of the providers as well. How did you decide who you wanted to interview and why did you do that instead of just surveying them like everybody else? That's a really good question. So kind of how our model is set up here is we have franchise brands that we work with that have hundreds of provider under each franchise brand. And those hundreds of providers are really managed by our customer success team. So this survey that went out electronically was sent to those providers. But there's also another layer of the corporate relationship with the franchisors that we really wanted to get more granular and ask deeper level questions. And so we decided that we wanted to do informational interviews with those individuals as well. And so basically all we did was we segmented out our customer base for franchisors and we put them into four buckets of enterprise, large, medium, and small. 
And we picked a handful of small, medium, large, and enterprise customers that we wanted to interview. And we really chose that, I would say, qualitatively of who was really engaged in the process and would be great at answering these types of questions. And so a lot of times we had some feedback from a couple of different franchisors that maybe they only wanted quarterly touch points or you know, they didn't want to have frequent regular touch points. And so they might not have been the right person to ask these types of informational interviews with. So we, that's kind of why we made the decision of, okay, hey, let's just grab a handful. And we ended up with about 15 providers that we ended up scheduling 30-minute informational interviews. And those questions were a little bit longer in length. And we would ask even further, deeper questions. So the person that conducted the interview, had to be skilled in interviewing because we sometimes we didn't just take the first response. We'd go a little deeper and a little deeper, ask more curious questions to get to what we were looking for, whether it's, you know, what technology are they interested in? What's their strategic priorities for the next six months for the organization? And then it was also, how do, is your overall experience with Paradigm? tell us where you've had challenges with Paradigm. And it really gave us a different lens and perspective than the surveys that we did with providers electronically. I love it. I really like that you didn't just focus on the enterprise segment, you went across all the segments because I think that's something that it's easy to forget that like you might get different answers from different segments. I'm really happy to hear that you kind of went across the whole whole size range. That's good. Yeah, we have some franchisors that I would say that fell into that small bucket where they only had 20 offices, where we have our enterprise has over 750 locations. And how they experience paradigm is probably very different from each of those segments. So it was important to understand, you know, if they were focused on similar things. And now we have a better picture of where our small businesses' strategic priorities are and where our enterprise clients are focused on their strategic priorities. So it's a really good exercise for us. That's awesome. What are some of the positive and, and negative pieces of feedback you received from the surveys and interviews? And was there anything that really surprised you? Yeah, you know, I would say overall, we had a really, really high satisfaction score. Great. So our overall satisfaction rating was above 85% which was really great. We were really happy to hear that. We had, I would say, 10% response rate was our overall total response rate. And I would say some of the things that came up were very specific to specific departments. And so we have multiple departments in our organization and it was, you know, missing information about lack of communication from a department they feel like they will have to reach out to us and it takes us a while to respond back to them. That was really surprising too, especially when we add a lot of resources to a department and we understand that you know responding to client inquiries timely is really important. And that was an area that we thought we had kind of checked the box on and done a really good job. And it was pretty clear through the interview or through the interviews we did and through the survey that there was definitely departments we needed to place a higher focus on. Yeah, it's. I think it's always interesting. You know, it's sort of never the feedback you expect, I think, when you survey people. You're kind of like, what? And it can be a little frustrating when it is something like you've really invested in it and it's still not good enough. 
That's so true. And one of the things we do is each one of our franchise brands has an annual conference every year. And a lot of times I get to be in front of those individual providers. And sometimes we were hearing feedback from providers like, I don't know who my point of contact is. I don't know who my CSM is. So that's why we were very specific about asking that question of who they knew their CSM was. And actually, we got a 97% response rate that they did know who their CSM was. (laughs) So it's funny how the experience being in front of providers was that, and it felt like a lot of providers were saying they didn't know who their point of contact was, but the results of the data actually show something completely different. That to me was really surprising, but actually surprising in a good way. Yeah, that's a good surprise to have. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I know you're doing a lot of improvements to your program based on what you heard back from your providers and from your um, franchisees. How are you approaching improvements to the program? Yeah, I would say first is timely responses was something that came up a lot of times. It was a recurring theme that we saw. So one thing we're doing is we're building a new customer support department. We hadn't had that traditionally. We kind of leaned on our customer success managers to do both functions, customer success and customer support. And so now we're building an entire dedicated customer support team. And now we have a help desk function that we're building out a ticketing process and our KPI metrics for those tickets. And I think that's really going to help us get a better grasp and a handle on responding to our requests more timely instead of getting lost in a CSM's email inbox where they get lots of requests. And we think it's going to be a better overall experience for our clients too to have a team that's dedicated to answering those questions urgently and more reactively and have our customer success team focus on in other areas. Yeah, I I definitely think it's hard for one person to sort of continually shift gears throughout the day between doing reactive work and doing proactive work. And when you do that combination, what tends to happen is you're always reactive. And then the really important proactive work of a CSM kind of goes by the wayside, which, you know, you don't want that to happen. So you are, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what was happening. You know, our CSMs had these great objectives quarterly touch points, business (laughs) reviews, but, you know, they were inundated with reactive requests and they weren't able to do the things they wanted to do with their clients. So I think having this support department and moving that function over will allow them to do their best work in customer success. Yeah. What are some of the benefits that you didn't expect from this project that you ended up seeing? Yeah, you know, I would say really the cross-functional work with the departments was really such a great exercise and experience. I handle the enterprise segment, so those corporate franchisor relationships, and we were kind of conducting things simultaneously, but we didn't actually communicate cross-functionally what the right hand and the left hand were doing. And so we sat down as a team and I would say, We really came up with the strategy together once we knew what we were both kind of focused on and we both recognized there were opportunities to create improvements. So I would say being able to work with our cross-functional teams. And then also, I was really, really proud of how our, our team responded. It can be really easy to see those negative responses and 
feel defensive, especially when you put forth so much effort in certain areas of the business. And then you get some responses that are negative in nature. But I think we took a very, this is a, such a great opportunity for us to learn and grow. And we took everyone without the emotion and very just looked at it logically and said, okay, this is the perception and experience of our client. There's an opportunity here. Let's go ahead and do that. And I was really impressed with all of our cross-functional leaders, all the department managers that really had communication facing faced issues. All of them kind of said, I've got this. Here's some recommendations I have. Here's what we're going to do to improve it. And that was really refreshing to see in an organization. It was really awesome to be a part of and see that change happen so quickly. That's great. Okay, so to kind of wrap this up, I want to ask you to give advice to the audience. So if somebody's out there and they're listening to this and they're thinking, we should do a survey, how would you recommend they get started? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think you want to get really granular on operationally how you're going to respond to clients once the survey is completed. I think that's really critical. We don't want to ask our clients or our customers to complete a survey and they're taking the time out of their day to do it. So we did a couple of things like incentivize through a awards program. So we, we sent out gift cards to a couple of people. If they participated, we're just trying to incentivize participation too. But I think it's important that you have something like that to incentivize completion, but also that you're closing the loop with clients that had a positive experience or even a negative experience. It's really important operationally that you have someone in place that can close the loop with those clients and and really make sure clients understand that you appreciate the time they took to complete the survey. I think that was really important. I also think is get very specific on what you're trying to solve for. You know, what is it that you're really focused on learning from your clients and make sure that it's going to help you make improvements and changes within the organization and you respond and act on that. Nothing worse than sending out a survey and doing nothing with the data. There's so much opportunity to make changes that take it as a gift from your clients that they're sharing this with you and you have an opportunity to make an adjustment with the gift they're giving you. That's a great way to look at it. And I think something that gets overlooked a lot is what are you going to do with all this great information once you've collected it? Last question. This is something we ask all of our guests. What do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? Oh, that's a really good question. I would say probably the biggest trend is AI. I think it's probably the release of ChatGPT now being able to help people templatize email responses quickly. But I think AI is going to help us in, in lots of different automated, repetitive tasks that we traditionally do in the customer success space. I think there's a lot of opportunity for artificial intelligence to kind of come in and create some prompts for customer success managers. So I, I definitely see the AI trend and I'm tracking and following the trend. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really fascinating. I am not an AI expert and had to give a talk on it the other day. <laughs> so oh, fine. I had to really dive in and do a bunch of homework on it and really think about how it applies to our field. And I, I think one of the things that I'd love to get your take on this is that it sort of forces a little bit of change in terms of what CSMs are going to be focused on because they won't have to be focused on, like you said, 
writing emails and, you know, doing like repetitive tasks. Where do you see the career going for CSMs? Yeah, that's such a good question. I definitely think that customer success, there are human elements and human components that will never go away. I think there are definitely ways that we can automate the repetitive tasks. But I definitely think our customer success managers are going to be shifting over the next couple of years while AI is there to really provide support. And really, the shift I see is we're going to get really, I would say, a lot better at hitting those success metrics, at really defining what success looks like for our clients and tracking against that metric, especially when you're in a smaller type organization. I think that's a challenge at times. Sometimes it's quantitative and not really qualitative, and you're trying to help them decide what their success metric is going to look like because they really don't know what success looks like at times, and you're kind of helping guide them in that direction, I think it'll allow them free up some of those manual tasks. I definitely see uh, CSM burnout rates are sometimes really high in some organizations, especially if just thinking about my organization, if we would have stayed in that reactive, proactive space for a long time, thank goodness we didn't, we would probably burn and churn our CSNs. It would probably be really difficult to keep up with. So I'm glad we made the adjustments that we did, but not all organizations are doing that. And we're seeing it a lot right now in this space. So I think if if we can focus on AI helping with those repetitive tasks, those remedial things that our CSNs could be really focused more strategically I think that is the direction of our career. Yeah, I think it's a lot more fun too. (laughs) Totally, totally more fun. I I think CSM should be very excited about this because it's going to make the job much more interesting. So I completely agree. I completely agree. Well, Amber, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us about your approach to program improvements in your franchise-based organization. Thank you for your expertise and for your ideas today. If someone wanted to connect with you directly, what's the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, the best way to reach out is on LinkedIn. You can look me up online, Amber Monroe. I think my it's there's a slash and I think it says Amber Monroe at the end. They can reach out to me through LinkedIn. Perfect. Well, Amber, thanks again. And I also want to thank our producer, Russell Bourne, and our audio experts at Araform Audio. This podcast is a production of Success League Radio. To learn more about the Success League's consulting and training offerings, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io. For more great customer success content, follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. You can subscribe to Success League Radio on Apple, Google, Amazon, anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.